just put it right on out there. It's the truth anyhow. Praise God. Praise the Lord. But you know, here's also what I want you to understand too. That when you, when you work your faith, God can circumvent your job. God doesn't need your job to increase you. See, because if you think increase can only come through a job, then you're already trapped. You're actually a working slave. You're, you're, in modern terms, an indentured servant. If you think the only way that you can increase is through your job, you're already trapped. See, God gave us a way around the job. Seed time and harvest is the number one way to increase. The job is just to get seed. The job isn't, isn't for your bills. It got quiet right there. The job isn't for your bills. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 6.31, uh, rather, around that area, he talked about take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. He said after all these things, verse 32, the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly father knows you already have need of these things before you ask him. He said, but you seek, verse 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So God can add things to you without a job. Come on now. Not only does he not need you to get a, a salary increase or a second job, he doesn't need you to have any job at all to him to take care of your bills. You understand that? We were talking about that in the office before we came out about, you know, how we got to learn. We talked about it in prayer this morning, about working our faith. Man, if you, if you work your faith, <laughs> shoot, you, you, can, you can work your faith right, outside of, right out of a job. You can be given full-time to ministry, to serving God. If you work your faith right, Amen. Did I tell anybody to quit their job, Deke? I didn't, I didn't tell anybody to quit their job. I didn't say that. That's not what I said to you. I'm just saying, you work your faith right, you can go there. All right? But tomorrow morning, you go ahead and clock in. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. We're going to read that. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. Y'all have that? Okay, let's read together. Ready? Read. Then the Lord put forth his hand. And touch my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well. For I am ready to perform my word. I'm ready to perform my word. All right, verse 10 again says, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Father God, thank you tonight for the word we're about to receive. Thank you for each hearer, each listener, each one who's gathered tonight to receive the word. I pray, Father, that our Hearts will be open, and our, as our eyes and our ears, we have opened tonight. 
We are receptive. We are thirsty. We are hungry for you, Lord. We desire to hear what you have for us tonight. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, there will be no distraction, no hindrance to the flow of the word. Let the word flow freely. Let, let it move swiftly, Father, and be glorified among your people. And I pray, Father, that in our hearts it will produce in us exactly what you sent it to produce tonight. Have your way. We yield to you. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See, I've set this, this day set you over the, king, the nations and over the kingdoms. I want to talk tonight on the subject spheres, spheres, S-P-H-E-R-E-S, spheres of influence. Spheres of influence. Can you say that with me? Spheres of influence. Say it again. Spheres of influence. Praise the Lord. Now, we've been talking again on this subject of, of, about greatness. Uh, in fact, this, this sort of the series we've been on has been talking about exaltation. Remember that. Okay? And so we've looked at this verse here in, in Psalm 71, 21, which uh, the Lord says, or the psalmist says here, uh, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. So we've been saying this over and over again, that God is interested in increasing our greatness. Amen? And so we've got to at least be great, <laughs> all right? And God's going to increase our greatness. Is that right? All right. Now, that word great, Amelia, I know I didn't send you my notes, but it was pretty straightforward tonight. Uh, if you can get that Greek, that Hebrew word gadol, the Hebrew word gadol. Okay, y'all got it. Y'all are on point. Praise God. Uh, Strong's 1431, which means to grow, to become great or important, to do great things, to be magnified. Okay? Now, I want to place stress on this uh, line here, to become great or important. I'm about to say important. Okay, so God wants us to become important. Okay, God wants us, you and I, to become important. To become important. When you're important, uh, you're somebody. <laughs> okay, now you may not be a somebody in man's eye to be important, but you can be important to God. You understand? Yes, sir. Now, if you would, would seek to become important to God, he's going to make you important to man. Yes. When you're important, it's something you need. You, anybody ever, ever uh, any, uh, well, guys, girls too, ladies, uh, you've gone to, you've bought some sort of appliance or you bought some furniture, you bought something you had to put together, bought a bicycle, and uh, there are instructions on that you know, that come with it, how to put this bicycle together, how to put this appliance, how to hook this thing up. And there are some things on there that are very important. Right? If you don't do this, you might have a bicycle, but somebody's going to hurt themselves. If you don't make this important uh, move, you don't take this important step. When it's something important, it's something that you can't do without. You understand that? And God wants his people to become important in this world. You understand? That we're not nobodies. We're not average, uh, mean, by mean I mean average men. Okay? That we're important. That, that when, when you leave here, uh, the world has a loss. You understand that? You understand what I'm saying to you? That if you leave your, okay, uh, Sister Latoya just testified here a moment ago about being on her job. And she, when she had made the decision uh, that we, we, praise the Lord, prayed to ride out of that decision. Pastor Kim and I prayed to ride out of that decision. We did. 
we prayed her out of that. Lord, don't let her do that. <laughs> he didn't. But when, when she had even approached her superiors that, hey, I'm going to go and take the severance package, I'm going to leave. Well, obviously, if they called her back or sent her this text, they deem her as important. And when you're important, you can sort of start writing your own ticket. You can make requests. Okay. All right. Give me a... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, amplified. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Let's just, let's just uh, tour, detour over here for a second. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap out. <clears throat> and he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Verse 7, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly, nor sor or sorrowfully, or under compulsion. Now watch this last part of this here. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without. A joyous, a cheerful, joyous prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. In other words, that kind of giver has made himself important to God. Oh, man. That kind of giver has made himself indispensable to God's kingdom. That kind of giver, God, he, he can't let you die. <laughs> that kind of giver, God, he can't, he can't let things just happen in your life because you are that kind of giver that he can depend on. That when he needs something done, when he needs something moved, when he, need, when he needs uh, currency circulated in his kingdom, he knows he can count on you. When you become that cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in, is in your giving, then you become important to God. And when you become important to God, now you can become a demander. You can begin to ask God for things. Oh, come on now. You can, you can let God know, I, I need some more assistance. I need, I need a, a, a heavenly grant. Y'all don't think about that. Have I taught y'all about heavenly grants? You can ask God for heavenly grants, and he's, he's going to oblige you because you're that kind of giver. I can't do without you. I don't want you quitting. All right, y'all get it by next Tuesday. God, he, he, you can become important to God. And so God wants us to become important, all right? And let's go back to here. This word gadol means to grow, to become great or important, to do great things, to be magnified. So everybody say important. important. All right, now, we've been talking about this. We believers are supposed to be great as believers, okay? Because the seed of greatness is on the inside of every one of us. We've established that, right? We're God's children. Acts 17 talks about we are God's offspring. Okay? Uh, Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. For we are his offspring. We are God's offspring. Everybody say, I'm a God's offspring. So God's DNA is on the inside of us. You understand that? All right, now, last Wednesday night, we talked about, we preached this message, the ruling class, or ruling class. Okay, let's look at Psalm 136 one more time here. Psalm 136, and we'll start bridging into what we want to share tonight. We're just going to ease into this tonight. Just sort of ease into this tonight. Just sort of ease into this tonight. <laughs> Psalm 136, verse 7, says, for, uh, says to him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. 
Now, I was going to talk about these, these great lights here. Verse 8, the sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. So again, Psalm 136 gives us, gives us clarity from Genesis 1. That the sun rules by day, and the moon and stars rule by night. Okay, now you remember, I, we, we understand this now, that the moon, or the sun, represents Jesus, right? The moon represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and the stars, it's us, okay? Now, the sun, as Jesus, I was thinking about this today as I was, as I was uh, typing this out, that, uh, that uh, the first day of the week we call Sunday. Sunday, right? It's, it's, it's the Sunday, S-U-N, Sunday. And that's the day we meet. Now, it's named that. Uh, in fact, get this scripture, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 1, verse 10. Give me that here. Revelation 1, verse 10. It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Y'all see that? This is, this is when John the Baptist, or I'm sorry, excuse me, John the Beloved is getting all this revelation here that he's going to write about. 22 chapters worth of revelation he's going to write about Jesus Christ. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, keep going please, verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Okay, now this is all he's, he's hearing Jesus Christ talk here. Now give me verse 10 again, please, but give me verse 10 in the Message Bible, please. Verse 10, verse 10. He says, it was Sunday. You got it? So when we say the Lord's Day, you can, you can check all across the Christian spectrum, and everyone agrees Sunday is the Lord's Day. That's why we are in church on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. The Lord Jesus' day. It's named after him. Got it? So Jesus Christ is, is represented by the sun. Holy Ghost represented by the moon. We're represented by the stars. Okay, now let's go to, to uh, Psalm number 8. Psalm number 8. Was everybody here last week? Last couple weeks you've been here, you know this? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I don't have to spend much time here in review. Okay, Psalm number 8. Glory to God. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, okay, the moon and the stars, I wrote in my Bible, co-workers. So the moon and the stars, we are co-workers, okay? He says, what you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Okay, so we set the moon and the stars here, right? And I showed you last week why Jesus Christ isn't mentioned, because Psalm 110 says he's seated at God's right hand. He's not doing anything. The only thing he's doing, he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Got it? All right, now let's go to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. All right, one last bit of review here. Hebrews 2 and verse 5. Verse 5. It, it's, it's reflecting back on the same Psalm 8 that we just read. You got it? It says, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Now, first of all, we understand that angels is actually the word Elohim. 
back in, 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 in uh, Psalm. So it's angels, but it's properly translated God. You got it? Everybody, anybody, everybody understand that? Okay, so he didn't make us lower than angels. He made us lower than himself. And matter of fact, it says a little lower. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I wish you all would awake. A little lower. Say, I'm just a little lower than God. Come on now. Say, I'm lower than God, but just a little lower. Boy, your, your, your church cousins can't handle that there. I'm a little lower than God. Okay? Now, he says here, you have crowned him with the glory and honor and, and, and set him over the works of your hands. Verse 8 says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Notice this phrase I got underlined in my Bible. He left nothing that is not put under him. Now, I, I wrote this down. I didn't get a chance to mention it last week. But give me the amplified version of verse 8 here. Hebrews 2 verse 8. I want you to see this here. It says, for you have put everything under subjection under his feet. All right, this is man, right? So everything is under our feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, so this is make sure we're clear. We're not talking about Jesus Christ here. Okay, this is in subjection to man. He left nothing outside of man's control. That's what y'all didn't see last week. God left nothing outside of man's control. That's why Sunday, this past Sunday, when we all, we all went home from church and it was raining and then everybody got phone calls. I got, a, I got alerts on my cell phone. I got phone calls at home from the county saying, hey, there's a, there's a, a tornado warning. There's, a, there's a, a spout, a water spout that's spotted right in the skyway. I live right by the skyway. And they, they said, for your neighborhood, you need to go and duck and cover right now. And we said, no. My wife and I and our children, we were right there, we stood, we grabbed hands and said, no, no, thank you, Lord, that we have a covenant of life and peace. We take authority over that water spout. We command no tornadoes to come to our property. We command it to dissipate, to dissolve, to fall apart. You want to know what it did? It fell apart. I went back about 20 minutes later checking on the news, and they said that whole thing fell apart. Well, we know why it fell apart, because there's nothing that is outside of our control. Not the weather, not the time, not money, not sickness and disease, not life itself. Everything is under our control. I wonder if y'all can really handle that. Everything. Come on now, we practiced on a hurricane last year, didn't we? So a tornado didn't even, didn't even move me, a tornado. <laughs> We pushed the whole hurricane back. That tornado just. The only problem was somebody in Child's Park called for it. Somebody in Child's Park called because it showed it hit something. Hit, a new one formed in Child's Park. Hit something. I don't know who it was. Somebody in Child's Park called for it. We, we want a tornado. <laughs> they got it too. Praise the Lord. Thank God nobody was hurt though. Amen. Amen. But it was right there by my house though. I had us covered since Garrett. I did. I thought about you. That's right. <laughs> Amen. All right, so if that's the case, and it is, then you and I are supposed to be in control of everything. Everything. 
There's nothing that's, not, that's outside of man's control. When people say, what's wrong with the world, man? If God was so good, why don't he, man? Because everything is under man's control. All these weather patterns, everything's destroying this acts of God. No, those acts of man. There's nothing, I wonder if y'all believe the scripture right. There's nothing outside of man's control. I'm talking about being spheres of influence tonight. I'm going to get there. I'm getting us there. All right? Now, so everybody understand everything is under our control, right? All right, so, okay, now, the sun, the moon, the stars, right? The sun, Jesus Christ is sitting there, and he's by the Father. He's resting. He's, he's there seated until all his enemies are made his footstool. But then the moon and the stars, we're operating. It's nighttime now, right? Okay, so I, I looked this up. I found out I, that I knew the moon had an effect on things on the earth, but I didn't know the stars did. I found out the moon, because they rule the night together, they are co-workers. So actually the moon and the stars have an effect on the climate, have an effect on atmospheric conditions. They have an effect even on, on uh, many animals. This is true. On, on tidal, uh, tidal wave or tide, tide patterns and so forth. These, these, we have an effect. Now God, remember anything you see in the natural is a, is a picture of something in the spiritual. Do y'all understand that? Everybody with me tonight? Everything you see in the natural is a picture of what you see in the spiritual. So just why you saw the sun and the moon and the stars. They're a picture of, of something that's in the spiritual realm. So the same way we see the moon and the stars operating, they're out there tonight. You go out there tonight when you leave church, you'll see the moon and the stars operating. They're shining tonight. They are a picture of something in the spiritual realm. So you and I are part of the ruling class by night. And this is nighttime. I don't just mean here uh, time-wise. I'm talking about it's nighttime in the, time, in the scope of, of mankind. You got it? We'll get to that here in a little bit. All right, now, so I want you to go back here to Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's look over here. Because just like the moon and the stars have a strong influence in the natural, we're supposed to have a strong influence on the world and everything around us. You agree with that? We're supposed to change the climate. We're supposed to shift atmospheres wherever we go. Okay? We're, we're not supposed to be um, thermometers. We're supposed to be thermostats. You understand that? We don't go, we're not, we're not supposed to go and, and adjust, a, a, a thermometer adjusts to the temperature around it. And a thermometer adjusts to the atmosphere. But a thermostat changes the atmosphere. A thermostat changes the climate. You understand? When you go home and you want to get a good night's sleep, you don't leave that AC up on 78, 80 degrees. You, you drop it down so you can get you a good, you want to you be able to, right? So that you go to the thermostat. No matter what, because your thermostat has a, has a thermometer on it. Is that right? The thermometer is just telling you, the, the, the thermometer is just telling you like it is. That's just telling you what it is. The thermometer is saying it's hot. But it ain't going to do nothing about it. 
you have to hit some buttons or you know if you got to slide the old slide switch you got to make a an adjustment or turn a dial if you got one of those older kind <laughs> to make the adjustment to make it what you want it to be you and I are the are the thermostats oh you understand that we are influencers now just like if I were to go and adjust uh, we have we have in, in this building we have three units in this building all right that that are that are that control the climate of this whole uh, building here and there are, there are two units back here in the back if I were to go and adjust those two units and adjust this third unit it will have zero effect on the building next door if it would have zero effect on the field house it would have zero effect on building number four it only affects its sphere of influence. It only has an effect where it is. Are y'all hearing this? That's why Jesus had to say, go ye. <laughs> you missed that. All right, look. All right. Go, give, give, me, give me Mark. Uh, praise the Lord. Let's, in fact, while you're in Jeremiah, stop at Matthew first. Matthew first. Matthew 28. Glory to God. Matthew 28, verse 19. Says, go therefore. Matter of fact, he, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. So that authority that Jesus Christ has been given, he's imparting to his disciples and he says now, but you got to go therefore. Are y'all seeing that? Because you, you have influence wherever you go. So I don't want you to stay here. Here is cool. I need you to go therefore. I got to talk to you Christians. Because a lot of you Christians watching online and all over the world like to, like to just be huddled up in your little Christian circle. We're we going to have church every day and be just with our Christian friends every day. I'll mess with y'all. I just want to be, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna work with all Christians. If I get a job, I want to find a job that it's just all Christians on the job because I don't like working around all them heathens. I'm, I'm going to find a job with all Christians. Well, problem is, Christian, is it's cool there. It's over there. Where all those heathens work, where all the heathen hang out, where all the heathen play, where all the heathen live, that God needs us to go there for. Come on now. Some of y'all work around heathens, don't you? Praise the Lord. I want to quit that job. I'm like, well, no, God needs you on that job. I'm going to just make an announcement. God does not need everybody working at the church. I want to get a job at the church because we can be in the church and we can just pray and fast all day long and sing kumbaya. We are not praying fast and singing kumbaya all day long. We're trying, we're trying to work on ways to get more of us to go out there. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to clean toilets, you don't want to be up here anyway. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So go, therefore. All right, look, look, at, look at Mark. Mark's the very next, next book, right? Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Glory to God. 
Verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So don't stay here. Go. I need you to go out there and be an influence out there. Okay, y'all don't like that. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. I'm just going to flow in this little vein right here. Y'all don't like that. Y'all just mad because I got to go work with all them heathen. I got to go live around all them heathen and stuff like that. No, no. Pastor just get to sit up there and with the Lord all day long. <laughs> Acts chapter 1. That's right. That's right. I'm equipping you for the work of the ministry. That's my job, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, what's the work of the ministry? It's to go ye. I dare you to shout out to your neighbor and say, go ye. Go ye. <laughs> if you don't understand what go ye means, it means you go. Glory to God. Come on here. You come here and you get refreshed. You get revived. You get revelation. You get built up. You get, you get encouraged. But it's also that you can go back out there. Go ye out there. Glory to God. I'm going to just bust some of y'all up here. I'm, I'm, I'm just in my prayer closet all day long. Ain't nobody else in your prayer closet but you. You're not being an influence. Oh, but my, my, my prayers are going forth. Great for your prayers going forth. But he, Jesus didn't say, pray ye. He said, go ye. No, he said, praise the Lord, send labors to the harvest. Yes, he did. Then he said, I send you. Then he said, I send you. I dare you to holler one more time. Go ye. You see? You see, we've got this thing that we got to, oh, just, I just like my tight little night. Tight knit little thing here. Come out the closet. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, are you there? Verse, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Now there's a sphere of influence there. But it says, but it says Jerusalem is not going to be enough. Every time you master one sphere, I'm going to enlarge your sphere of influence from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world, of the earth. So your sphere of influence is supposed to get greater and greater and greater and greater. Are you hearing that? Praise God. All right. Let me go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. Let me get back on task here. Praise the Lord. No, I think that's important. I believe that's important. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'd all love an ideal utopian society where it's all Christians. And all sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, tongue talking people. You take lunch break and everybody out there dance around the pole. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the day. You, we'd love that, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? You went to work, you have a devotion at work, the first thing you walk in there before we, we have a devotion, wouldn't that just be wonderful? Y'all would love that. Praise God. The boss come out and he give a little sermonette, a little message. 
Next time they, they have they have your review, we're gonna pray in tongues. That'll be wonderful. That'll be, that'll be wonderful. Because you know the Holy Ghost gonna tell him 45%. You know. There's <laughs> a heaven Holy Ghost, praise the Lord. <laughs> but no, it's not like that, is it? No, there's heathens in the grocery store. Aren't there heathens in the grocery store? You run into them in the parking lot. They'll try to get in a parking lot space before you do. There are heathens all over the place. God doesn't need us to be recluses. He needs us to go out there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, we'll, we'll keep going here. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's look at this. Praise God. How much time do I have? Didn't even start my clock. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at verse uh, 4 here. Verse 4. Jeremiah is a prophet called of God. And it's, I love, I look, look, look at what it says here. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's good, isn't it? Isn't it? Before I formed you in the womb. Now I'm talking about spheres of influence. I'm going to show you this here. Because God says to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you. You understand that? that? You just think about the science behind that. I knew you before I formed you. So before you had any shape, you know that little, that little ugly little shape when you first see the little babies in the, the, the embryo. The, before, before that was in that, he said, I knew you. Which means you existed before you existed. You got to catch that. <laughs> you, you, were, you were here before you were here. For him to know you before he formed you, you are not your body. He only formed your body to put you in it. You got it? So because he knew you, glory to God, he also had a plan for you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you, prophets of the nations. So he had a plan for you. So his plan, his idea, his vision for your life went into how he formed you. You got it? That's important. It went into how he formed you. You got it? You existed before your body existed. You got to see that here. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So you existed before you had a body. I see a lot of brain smoke. Going you know, like, no, I don't make sense. Just look at it. I'll give you a minute to look at it. Before I formed you, I knew you. Forming is a body. But he said, I already knew you. Remember, you are a spirit. So I knew you before I formed you. So everything that I had programmed into your spirit needed an appropriate body for your pre-programming. Hallelujah. You'll get it. You're getting it right now. So how God programmed you 
what he predestined you for, the plan he had for your life, he formed the right body to go with it. Which is why you were born the gender you were born. You couldn't accomplish what he has for you being another gender. Are you understanding this? Before I, before I formed you, I knew you. So you can do what you are called to do. You can have the influence I've called you to have. You can be the greatness I've called you to be if you were some other gender. That's why transgenderism is confusion and abomination in God's sight. Not because he don't love the people. He loves them. But they have, they have uh, through confusion, blocked themselves. They've walked away from their destiny, the fulfillment of their purpose, because they, 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 they've, they've gotten in their own mind what they should have been, what they think they were. Okay, let me, let me go back here. Let me go back here. All right. Are you, go back to verse 4. Go back to verse 4. This, this, this is important. This is deep, isn't it? Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying. That's important. So where is Jeremiah finding out his purpose from? From the Lord. Where is Jeremiah finding out his destiny from? From the Lord. Where is he finding out his identity from? It's from the Lord. What causes people to miss out on who they are is they're taking their identity. They're searching for their purpose. They're searching for their assignment. They're searching for their destiny from sources other than the one who created them. That's why it's so important to the devil to get people to think that they weren't created by God. He gets them to think that they were just, you, we evolved. That God's not our creator because if God's not my creator, then I don't have to find my purpose from him. Because you can only get your purpose from your creator. Come on now. We learned this and we, we, were all, we all went through middle, elementary, middle, and high school. They, they'd show you some sort of artifact. And they'd say, let's try to figure out what this artifact is. What is it for? So you find something that looked like a tool. Maybe y'all don't remember this. Okay? You find, it's, this, this is critical thinking here. That, that you find a tool and you analyze a tool and you say based on its shape, based on its size, based on how it's constructed, based on, on, on what, what's on it, I think this was used for. None of y'all remember this kind of stuff? I, 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 I think it was used for so and so. And then hopefully the, the teacher knew the actual answer. No, this wasn't that. This wasn't a hammer. This was actually, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it was. Okay? Which, which the easiest thing would have been 
to find out who the creator was because the creator would have immediately just simply told us, here's what it is. They would have identified it, and because they identified it, they would have also made sure that we knew its purpose. Because once you know the identification, once you know, once you know the purpose, it can never be abused. It will never be used incorrectly. You got it? So it's important that we know in verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying. So Jeremiah is getting all this from the Lord. So if that's the case, where should you be getting your identity from? Where should you be finding out your purpose from? Where should should you be getting all of your assignment and all of your uh, destiny from? People running at conference to conference to conference to conference trying to find their destiny when all they got to do is just sit there and spend time with God. Jeremiah wasn't in no conference. Just one-on-one with God. And the Lord spoke to him saying, verse 5, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So I knew you. Is this too deep for a Wednesday? Maybe I have to make this a Saturday morning. Okay. <laughs> so, so before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So because I knew you implied I set you up, I formed you according to what I knew. So that's why you're that gender. That's why you're that race. I'm so ashamed I was born black. I'm, we curse. You ain't curse because you're black. Shut up. All that foolishness, curse because you're black. <laughs> get, get, get out of that. All the curses wiped out on the cross. All the curses wiped out on the cross. Okay? But the reason you are born, give me uh, Acts 1726. Give me that again. Give me Acts 17. I don't know if we looked at that. Give me Acts 1726. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you seeing this here? It's on the screen in case you can't find it. Look at this. And he, this is God, has made from one blood, come on, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. So every nation came from one blood. Right? And has determined, we can say predetermined, their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So God had already determined that you would be here in 2018. You weren't meant to be here in 1918. You weren't, you, I couldn't have survived the Civil War. You weren't supposed to be here during the Civil War. I couldn't have survived the slavery days. You weren't cut out for the slavery days. God, before he formed you, he knew you, and he already chose what time you would be here, and he already chose the boundaries of your dwellings or your sphere of influence. He already chose your sphere of influence. That's why you can't just move to another city just because, well, they they got offered me a better job over there. Better job over there? You going to go over there for $20,000 more? Yeah, Pastor, that's a lot of money. Except till you discover you're outside of your sphere of influence. And by then it's too late. Because God, before he formed you, he knew you. 
He knew you. He, he knew the region that you needed to be in. He knew the place where he wanted to use you. How many of y'all here, you say, boy, I, I couldn't live up in Michigan, man. It's too cold. Guess what? God knew that. <laughs> y'all understand? I'm, I'm, I'm making this very simple for you. God knew that. He knew. He knew that you were going to be too thin-skinned, your blood was going to be whatever it was, that you, you couldn't know you weren't made, you weren't cut out for that. He didn't need you up there. You weren't born in Haiti for a reason. Some of y'all some praise the Lord. <laughs> I hear you. Are y'all understanding? I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to lay this down as simple as possible. That, that God knew us. This all goes in, into this sphere of influence. Okay, let's go back to Jeremiah 1. Let me, let me pick this up here. Let me pick this up. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Verse 5. So before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That word sanctified means set you apart. So this is when? When did he set you apart? Before you were born. He had already, by sanctified, we can really say, place his hand on you. This is why, you, uh, matter of fact, I want you to understand this. You were born on purpose. You were born on purpose. That means no matter what your mama had planned, you were no accident. No matter what mom and daddy had planned, no matter how, how mad, mad grandma was because your mama got pregnant and she wasn't but 16, it didn't matter to God. You were born on purpose. You are so purposeful, I can say this because the teenagers and the middle schoolers are over next door, so purposeful that we know that in, in the way it works in reproduction that there are millions of sperm cells. Millions of them. Am I right about this? However, only one little swimmer. That one was you. That one, oh Jesus, that one was God putting his hand. Jesus, oh God. That one was God putting his hand on that one little cell. Say, you're going to make it, buddy. Swim on. Swim on. Y'all get out the way. Get out the way. That one little, that one little. That's, 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 that's my boy right there. That's, that's that one. That's Jonathan Hijackson right there. Boom. Oh, Jesus. That's Lamari Johnson right there. I don't care about anything else. That's. That one. <laughs> I sanctified you. Set you apart. <laughs> Say, neighbor, you're not an accident. God planned you out. God set you apart. God sanctified you. He's always had his hand on you. Before you got born again, he had his hand on you. Before you came to know the Lord, he had his hand on you. Even when you messed up, he still had his hand on you. When you were out in the club, he had his hand on you. When you were out at a party on the block, he had his hand on you. When you got in that car accident, he had his hand on you. No matter where you were, he had his hand on you. When other sperm died, he had his hand on you. When your friends died in high school, he had his hand on you. They were in the same mess you were in. 
sanctified. Set apart. That ought to help somebody who, I don't, I don't know my daddy. It didn't matter. God only needed your daddy for a hot minute. Y'all, I know that does down something. He only, he only needs your daddy for a hot minute. That's all he needs him for. Bible character named Onan? You read about Onan. Onan, boy, just made God mad. You know why Onan made God mad? Onan laid down with a woman. And rather than let the natural course take place, the Bible says he spilled his seed on the ground. Is this too deep for y'all? This is too rated R for y'all? Are we all adults in here? He spilled his seed on the ground. Boy, God got hot stinging mad at that. You, you got to go. You don't spill no seed. I've got my hand on some of them. <laughs> Do you understand God doesn't play any games? God doesn't waste anything? That you are here because God had his hand on you? If, give me uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, um, let's try 4, Ephesians 1 verse 4, yeah, that's it, Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, I'll let you glare at it, start, start at verse 3 so they'll get context here. Verse 3, talks about how blessed said, blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as. So he's blessed us just as he chose us. Y'all missed that. So your blessings are just as sure as the fact he chose you. You understand God has always had a plan for you? Do you understand, as my kids would say, how your life is set up? How your life is set up? You are set up, boy. You God set you up good. Why are you struggling? Why are you toiling? Why are you, why are you going through? You've been set up. <laughs> he says, so he chose us in him. Everybody say, I've been chosen in him. All right, go back to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. All right, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Okay, says so um, uh, before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Okay? All right, so then, okay, go to verse 6. <clears throat> then said I, then said I, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Now notice here, your flesh will always bring up objections. Some excuse as to why you can't do or why you can't be what God called you to do or be. Because whatever God speaks, remember I told you this uh, before, whenever God speaks, he speaks greatness. And God, he never speaks to you where you are. 
Remember I t- we, we talked about um, when God spoke to Gideon? In uh, Judges 7, Judges 6, he starts talking to Gideon. And he t- tells Gideon, he says, hey, you, you mighty man of valor. Right. <laughs> while Gideon is currently hiding. He ain't acting like no mighty man of valor. He's a he's scaredy cat. But God calls him mighty man of valor. Why? Because God is not speaking to where you are. God is speaking to what he put on the inside, what he knows. He knew you before he formed you. He knows what he put on the inside of you. So when he's talking here to Jeremiah, he's, uh, Jeremiah's, he's talking to Jeremiah about you know, what he's done. Uh, go back to verse 5. This is the last line of verse 5. I've ordained you a prophet to the nation. Now that's big. I've ordained you a prophet. What, what would you do if you heard that? If you, I mean, some mighty man of God, not of me, if not of my prophesy, but if some mighty man of God came and prophesied over you and said, I have called you. Especially when somebody come with an African accent. <laughs> you know, you believe prophecies when they have an African accent. Oh, you man of God. You believe things when people have, you know, different accent. You take it, oh, that's, oh, that's God's talking right there. I know that's right. I know it's right. Pastor Kim, Pastor John speaking that broken English, it don't mean anything, but that's about to come speaking that. The Lord said to you, I want you to know. You, you oh, that's real. But really, what would you do if God said to you, I've ordained you a prophet to the nations? Maybe that's not big to y'all, but if, that, if, if I heard that, prophet to the nations. I mean, come on. I'm thinking about just, you know, St. Pete. And he says, prophet to the nations. So imagine Jeremiah hearing this. That's why he comes back in verse 6 and says, oh, Lord God, I cannot speak. I cannot speak. <laughs> he just heard something just went, we like, no, you got the wrong one. I? Remember Moses, when God told Moses, Moses, I'm sending you back to Pharaoh. Moses was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I, 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 no, 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 God, God, God no. <laughs> they, they, they gonna kill me back there. No, 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 no. I can't, can't speak straight, right? So here is, here is, here is Jeremiah saying, "Behold, I cannot speak." His reason is, for I'm a youth. I'm a youth. I'm a youth. He says, I'm a youth, but God had already said in verse 5, before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He tells God that he's a youth as if God is unaware of how old a boy is. Now that sounds silly, doesn't it? But that's just as silly as you sound to God and I sound to God when we give God our little reasons. God, well, I'm not that, that educated. 
I don't know enough people. I've only been saved two days. Oh, is he going to do that? Well, how we know that? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse, uh, give me verse, verse 7. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, but do not, do not say I'm a youth. So Lord, the Lord didn't say you're not a youth. He says, I know you're a youth. He just said, don't say that. Don't, don't say that. God didn't argue with his, youth, with his youthfulness. He just said, don't say that. Don't bring up that objection because that's, that's, not, that's not a good objection. God ignores stupid. He says, don't say that. He says, for you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you, this is what you said here, you shall speak. You're going to go. In other words, I put something on the inside of you. I Remember, I, before you were born, before you were formed, I knew you. So I know what I programmed inside you. That's why later on in Jeremiah's ministry, Jeremiah now, he's preaching by now. He's prophesying, but he starts getting weary. People are coming against him. They're throwing him in jail. They're, they're doing all kinds of things uh, against him. And now he decides, I'm not going to preach no more. But all of a sudden, this thing rises up in me. He said, he said I said I wasn't going to say anything but your word on the inside is like fire. Yes, it's like fire because God already programmed that word on the inside that has got to come out of him. He can't hold it because it's been programmed in him. You understand? This greatness has been programmed into you. This influential lifestyle has been programmed on the inside of you. This, this need for importance has been programmed into you. This, this desire, listen to this, this desire for significance. It's not conjured up in your head. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God programmed a desire for significance on the inside of you. You want to have a meaningful life, don't you? Come on, I know you. I know I'm right. You want to have a life that impacts people. When you, when you drive down the street, you see issues, you want to do something about it. You're not some non-caring, uncompassionate person. Every time you see things, boy, God, what can I do something? It's, it's not just you just asking. It's because there's a programmed desire for significance on the inside of you. You have this thing on the inside of you that before you leave this planet, you want to make an impact. Am I right about that? Am I in the right house? Am I talking to the right bunch of people here tonight? So he says, no. He says, for you shall go. You shall go to all to whom I command, to, to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse 8, verse 8. Young man, don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now look at verse 9 here. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put, this is what you were saying here, my words in your mouth. Everybody say, God's words. God's words. My, mouth. my mouth. Now watch verse 10. Verse 10. Because here's what I will get to, and we'll try to pick this up next week. See, I have this day, I have this day. Now he hadn't left the house yet. Jeremiah hadn't left the house yet. He hadn't preached one message. He hadn't prophesied one utterance yet. And God says, see, I have 
this day set you over <laughs> the nations and over the kingdoms. Before you leave the house. Before you packed your first bag. <laughs> before you, before you've, you've gotten your first engagement. <laughs> before you've spoken to one lost person. Before you've taken one step, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Now, let's look what he's saying here. So, I've set you today, this day over the nations and over the kingdoms, not to just visit and go on, you know, luau's. He says to root out and pull down, which means whatever nation or kingdom I send you to, you're going to be an influencer. You're going to change that nation. You're going to root out some things. You're going to pull down some things. You're going to destroy some things. You're going to throw down some things. And then other things you're going to build up and you're going to plant. That's you having an influence wherever you go. Jesus said when he was on this planet, he said, everything my father has not planted, I'm plucking up. Jesus walked in the same kind of ministry. He walked in the same, influence, the same influential uh, lifestyle. He walked into, a, into a, uh, the temple where they were selling all the doves and exchanging all, of, all the stuff. And he made them a cord and, and a whip and just start whipping tail. I mean, knocking everything over, turning all the tables over. And they want to know, who gave you this authority? In other words, they're asking him, how do you have this influence? He said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. In other words, this is my sphere of influence. I walk in here and I change things. Things that are not way, the way they ought to be. I walk in and I change things. Are you understanding this here? So God has placed that same kind of authority and, and assignment on you to walk into a place and whatever is wrong to change it. Hallelujah. Whatever you can't accept. You're going in and you're changing it. Y'all got this here. So, now, again, go give me Jeremiah 1 verse 7 again. The Lord said to me, don't say I'm a youth, but for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So, again, whenever God speaks to you, he's speaking to the greatness on the inside of you. Okay? And his word, he puts his word in his mouth in verse 9. His words activate that greatness. You got it? God's word is activating that greatness on the inside of you. Okay? Now, again, verse 10, what we read here, God set him over nations and over kingdoms. So, God... For you, listen to me very carefully. There's, there's a region, a territory that you have been set over. Right now, it may be small. You got it? Because you have to first prove yourself faithful in the least, in the small, in the few, in the little. And then when you prove yourself faithful over the least of the little, Luke 19 gives a story. Jesus talks about this man who goes and establishes a kingdom, and he calls 10 men in, gives each of them a mina. It's a piece of money. And he, he goes away, and he comes back to see, and the Bible says he's gonna, now going to take an account to see how they handled what he gave them. Right. And each one that came back, the one came, came and said, hey, I have your mina. Your mina has gained uh, 10 minas. Right. He said, great, you're a good and faithful servant. Now I'll now make you, uh, give you authority over 10 cities. Did y'all just catch that? 
so how he handled that little bit of responsibility, how he handled that little small, he, he only had influence over that Mina. Let's, let's call Mina a million dollars, <clears throat> okay? It's a, it's a small sum of, sum of change. So he, he's, how he handled that small Mina, then Jesus said the man increased his responsibility or his sphere of influence and said, now you have 10 cities. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? I'm showing you, you already have a small sphere of influence. Some of us are trying to wait until we get our big assignment. But you're missing it. You're never going to get, get the big assignment until you've shown God you are properly handling the assignment you already have. Absolutely. Hallelujah. You have people, they, they want to they pastor 10,000 people, but they have a 10-person 10, 10 Sunday school class and won't study for the class. Glory to God. As a matter of fact, y'all know this guy named uh, Bishop Thomas D. Jakes? T.D. Jakes, is that y'all know this guy? He's out in Dallas. I've been to his church, magnificent church. I mean, huge. Magnificent in every way. I mean, building, grounds, how the ministry operates, I mean, just magnificent. And, um, but you know, he didn't start in Dallas. He started in West Virginia. That's when I first picked up on his ministry in West Virginia when he was wearing all the cheap suits. You know, he's wearing the custom suits now, you know. He's nice fabric, but he's wearing the cheap suits that, you know, by the time he sweated the suit, the suits changed colors. Seriously, y'all, if y'all remember that day, back in that day, he had them, all the moles all over his face. He wasn't pretty like he is now. He had all the moles and bumps and everything. Money just changed everything, but you can get that stuff lanced off, and now he's TV ready. But back then, when he was you know, Thomas D. Jakes back then, um, he, he was, he was in, in West Virginia, in the hills of West Virginia. But he talked about how, you know, what made him famous throughout the nation, what really put him on the scene in terms of mega ministry was a conference called Woman Thou Art Loosed. Y'all ever heard of Woman Thou Art Loosed? They still have it today. And Woman Thou Art Loosed, I mean, he, he can have women that are loose, and it, it'll be 60,000, 70,000 women there in, in a conference. Crying and, you know, a whole weekend worth of, but they're being ministered to in whatever way, okay? But he didn't start with 70,000 women. Woman that are loose was actually a small women's Sunday school class. All right, well, y'all will get this next week. <laughs> oh, God. It was a small little women's Sunday school class that he was just faithful over that little small women's Sunday school class. Just teaching women all the time. Little women's Bible study, little class they had. But stay faithful at it. And that class just began to grow and grow and grow and grow. And today they'll have 70,000 women. In a, in, a, in a large auditorium class. <laughs> what if he had not been faithful over the little ten women? Okay, yeah, that didn't impress you. What about David, King David? 
King David, the Bible says, he tended his father's sheep. Right? And in 1 Samuel 17, David shows up on the, on, on the battlefield. He's there to visit his brothers because his dad has sent him with some cheese and some bread. Say, take this sandwich to your brothers and make sure they have some eat and see how they're doing in the war. And David gets over there to, to, the, to the battlefront and his, his brother uh, uh, Eliab or whatever his name, they, they start picking on him. They said, hey, what are you doing here? Who have you left those few sheep with? They were picking on him. They're cracking on him because he's tending a few sheep. But you know what happened because he was faithful over those few sheep? God said later on, I've raised you up from watching those few sheep. You are practicing on a few sheep. <laughs> oh, boy. Tell your neighbor, you practicing right now. And tell them God is watching you right now. He's checking you out to see how you're handling those few sheep. God, give me a million dollars. He's watching to see how you handled a hundred. God, I want to preach all over the world. He's watching to see how you handle the few sheep that come into your little class. I want a big old mansion, God. How you handle the little 2-1? Because if you're not going to clean that, there ain't no need. <laughs> There's no need. Let me give you seven, eight bedrooms and nine bathrooms and a three-car garage and all that. Ain't no need to be doing all that. No, because they don't come every day. Dust accumulates too fast. <laughs> oh, glory. I was thinking about this this morning. <laughs> when I came home from prayer, I came home, my wife had stripped our bed. And, uh, and uh, I was thinking, praise God for my wife. I'm so, I'm so glad I married up. I'm so spoiled. Because I was thinking about when I was a bachelor. I was thinking, man, I could have left sheets on that for three months. It wouldn't have made any difference. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know any difference, man. You, you got to wash sheets? For what? Why you got to wash sheets? <laughs> man, I ain't, you know, they ain't going to say nothing, but I'm going to just tell you the truth. I didn't, know, I, ain't, I didn't know you had to wash sheets. What you got to wash sheets for? I didn't know that you, you know, your body, you lose, you know, skin and all that. I don't know about that. Dust mites. I didn't know nothing about no dust mites. You sweating it. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> Thank God for my boo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. I watch some things every week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, so how are you handling the small sphere of influence you have right now. Because how you manage that, okay, all right, Paul comes along and he's talking to Timothy, his son in the ministry. He's talking to Timothy about how to recognize a, a guy who ought to be a pastor, a bishop, or an overseer. And he says, now listen, make sure when you check this, get this guy and you're going to put your hands on him and be a bishop or a pastor of a church, he says, first check out how he's handling his own house. He says, because he, if he can't manage his own house well, how is he going to manage the house of God? In other words, if he's not properly managing his small sphere of influence, how 
in the world can he manage the house of God? You understand this principle? You understand this principle, everybody? That you have to first prove yourself faithful over the small sphere of influence that you have now. And when you do that, God will enlarge your sphere of influence. Amen. All right. Let me give you one more scripture and we'll, and we'll quit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Have y'all learned anything tonight? Don't fool me now. Have y'all learned anything tonight? Praise the Lord. You learn you got to wash the sheets more often, don't you? Strip that bed every week. Praise the Lord. Hair it out the mattress and everything. Just praise it. Spare some lights off. My wife, boy, I come home and she'll she'll have the sheets all laid. Where, where are the sheets? They on the ironing board. She's ironing the sheets. Y'all ain't saying nothing. She's ironing the sheets. I'm like, you go, girl. The pillowcases, she lays all the pillowcases out, and she irons all the pillowcases. Do you know how good that feels to lay down on that? You don't, ain't no wrinkles in the sheets to cut yourself on. It's just, you slide in the sheets. And they're not, they aren't even satin. They're just, just nice. You want cotton, because they've been ironed, a little starched. So you go, girl. Amen. Amen. I got it made, boy. The way my life is set up, I got it made. Praise the Lord. You want some shoes out of that? Let me get you some shoes out of that. Praise the Lord. Did they close Payless down already? All right, let's go. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 2 Corinthians 10. Let's finish up. 2 Corinthians 10, um, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Are you there? Are you there? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Says, we, however, will not boast beyond measure. Listen to this very carefully. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. So you are appointed a sphere. So don't boast beyond limits. Don't, don't try to be bigger than you are than you actually are. This is what Paul is saying. I'm going to acknowledge. Here is what here's what God has given me. God hadn't given me all of all of the Bay Area or all of Florida, all of all of He's only given me my little house that I'm in right now. So I gotta be excellent about that. He says, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So you, he's talking to the Corinthian church, you're in my sphere of influence. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. So the reason why they are in his sphere is because they, he came to them with the gospel. So wherever you take the gospel, God gives you that as your sphere of influence. So where you work, where you live, where you play, where you operate, that's why you can, you can have four people get, get saved in one day at your job, Jonathan. It's because God has given you that sphere of influence and you pray over that. 
God soften their hearts today for the word of God. And you can say, bam, and one day four people say, yeah, I want to get saved. Because he's identified that as his, even if he didn't know that, it is his sphere of influence. I'm taking responsibility for it. Are you understanding this? So your job you go to, the places you, places you hang out, is not just to hang out. It is it's under your control. I mean, we read that about things being under, under your control. That's why we read that. It's under your control. So if some of y'all work on school campuses and all kind of foolishness going on around schools, not in your school. Y'all didn't like that. Not in your school. No, that's up to you. How they act in your school. <laughs> you know about that, Anita. No, there ain't going to be none of that today. No, we ain't going to have no bombs. There ain't going to be none of that. ain't going to be no shootings. No, there ain't going to be none of that. No, not in my school. And this is my sphere of influence. I set this atmosphere. Are y'all getting this here? All right, let me finish here and we can quit. For we are not extending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Verse 15, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors. Everybody say, stay in your own lane. Stay in your own lane. But having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Do you see that? He says, but having hope that as your faith is increased, so the more influence I have on you, and as your faith grows, now my sphere begins to grow. This is what he's saying. Y'all hearing this? So in other words, you got to first bloom and blossom where you planted. And the more impact you have on those around you, the more uh, influence God begins to give you. Because he sees you working. He sees you operating. Praise God. All right. Verse 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of, of accomplishment. So I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm not going to go over somewhere. That's somebody else. That's, no, that's, that's Barry's territory over there. <laughs> Glory to God. I, I, don't, I don't go in, in a Tony's shop and try to set the atmosphere in his shop. That's his shop. Not a good thing he keeps the atmosphere right, praise the Lord, else I wouldn't go in there. <laughs> okay? But I can't, I can't go in there and set, set the atmosphere. That's like, I can't go in there and set the atmosphere in your home. That's your home. You have the authority over your home. I don't have the authority over your home. You understand that? So if you want the home to be peaceful and joy, joyous and happy and all that kind of stuff, you set the atmosphere. Glory to God. Your neighborhood, whatever, whatever you have influence over. Amen. Well, that's all I have time for tonight. Y'all got that? Is that good? Y'all received that tonight? Well, come on and give God a great hand of praise if you receive the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.